you ready for the word this morning? Turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. And I, I'm going to need, I always need the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to minister the word of God. Always. But I feel especially like that today as I minister to this large crowd that's before me because I really struggle with the direction to go with my sermon. And how many understand that when you're seeking the Lord and you begin to, it doesn't matter if you're seeking him for a job change or a relationship or, or whatever it may be, even for myself in my job, of seeking what the Holy Spirit is saying to, I can get up and preach the Bible, but how many understand it's important to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? And uh, I began to seek him, and what's beautiful about the Holy Spirit is he will always confirm his word to you. He loves to be able to confirm the direction that you're going. And to be honest, I was struggling a little bit, and I was in here early yesterday morning, and uh, began to just think about this particular topic. And my title today is Make Your Dash Count. Look at your neighbor and tell him, Make Your Dash Count. Now, you're probably as confused as what you could be about that title. And, Pastor, what does that mean? And I have, the reason I had to pray it through is because I've done several funerals lately. And in doing those funerals and speaking to people that have come and they're grieving and they're, they're trying to navigate the difficulty of losing a loved one, I oftentimes think, Lord, what would I say to the congregation that you have entrusted me with, the Christian Center Church? Because oftentimes, the only time some people hear the word of God is when they come to something like that. And as I was praying yesterday morning, I, and today, and this was my struggle, is I don't want today to be a morbid sermon. <laughs> I mean, to talk about eternity and to talk about death is, could be taken as morbid. I want today to be a challenging sermon. Amen? Because the reason I say make your dash count is because if you drive by any cemetery, and I hope nobody in there is hanging out in cemeteries, amen, no, I don't want you to do that. Nobody, nobody says, hey, let's go hang out in the cemetery, at least I hope you don't. Nobody does that because oftentimes we don't want to think of what comes after we go on to eternity. We don't like to think of those subjects, but it's, it's really impressive on my heart. And the reason I say the Holy Spirit confirmed it is shortly after I got into my office, I had a note on my desk of a precious, precious sister in the Lord who attends church here. And she's getting on up into her 80s. And she actually called to ask my advice about some funeral arrangements that she's beginning to make. She has, and I asked her if I could share these things with you. And she said, absolutely, because it so blessed me to be able to talk to her and to be a woman of God who knows the Holy Spirit so well and really is coming down towards the end stage of her life. But she's full of joy. She's full of the Holy Spirit. She prays for me and my family. She prays for us here at this church. We pray for her too and check on her regularly. But it began to just confirm to me of what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me yesterday morning because I want to teach you how to make your life count for eternity. I, th I think there's two main things that is my role as a pastor. Two main things. Number one, I desire to teach you theologically who God is according to the scriptures. 
of who the Bible says that Jesus is and who he is in our life. And I desire to teach you theologically how to get closer to him because how many understand it's all about the relationship you have with him. That's what it's about. But secondly, and equally as important, is me as a pastor needs to prepare you for eternity. And that's why I say make the dash count because any tombstone has the date and the year somebody was born and it has the date and the year somebody passes away. I was sharing with one of my children a few days before the most recent funeral that we had right here at the church on Friday. And I was explaining to him, I said, actually, the Bible's clear, and it says that it's better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of laughter. Mm-hmm. We don't think in those terms, do we? Why is that, the Bible, very clear that that is more important? Because it helps us focus on the fact that there is an eternity that we should be living for in our everyday lives. And we're going to look at Solomon today. We're going to read the, the passage in John, but we're going to look at the life of Solomon because here Solomon wrote Proverbs, and when he wrote Proverbs, he was probably in, you know, according to, to theologians and different uh, scholars, he would have been middle-aged. He would have probably at that time been in his 30s or 40s, and, and Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Wisest man who ever lived. So he gave us the Proverbs. And then as he got to be an older man, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And I know there may be a lot of young people in here that have no idea what that book is. And really, when you read it, it's somebody that got later on in life and is looking back at life. And I, as a pastor, in trying to not only teach you scripture and teach you about who Jesus is, I want to teach you how you can get and look back at your life and say, my life made a difference for eternity, for the kingdom of God, for him and him alone. And if we prepare ourselves that way, then we will find ourselves very, very, very fortunate. Amen? Amen. I realize as, as we get older, the more and more of these type of questions enter our minds and Here's what I want to talk about today. Freedom, everybody say freedom. Freedom. Fullness Fullness. and impact. John chapter 19, verse 30. This is, of course, John 19 is the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and gives into detail those final moments. And it says this in verse 30. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Father, for these next few minutes and moments, I pray for a significant impact into the hearts of the people here. Holy Spirit, you're present and you are doing your work that only you can do. I pray that anything said of Jason Hanks would fall by the wayside. But Lord, anything said under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I pray, Father, would have an impact for eternity upon the hearts of the people listening. Whether we've walked with you for 40 or 50 years, Lord, or whether we've walked with you for four or five days, or whether we are not walking with you at all this morning, we know that the invitation is to go deeper into your word, deeper into your character, allowing the fruit of the Holy Spirit to grow in our lives so that, Father, today we can make a choice to make a difference for eternity. And all God's people said,
I can be long in what I want to say because, again, these are things that just came to the forefront of my heart and my mind of how we should prepare for eternity. Number one today is freedom. Everybody say freedom again. The Bible says this, that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. I hope you understand that Jesus wants you to be free. Jesus wants you to be free. He does not want you, as the Bible says, to be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. But he came so that not only could we be forgiven of sin, but that we could be free of sin. The reason this was at the forefront of my heart and my mind and my first point today is I just really share my heart, oh boy, is this. There are pastors and people, I listen to a lot of podcasts, it not only just feeds me, but I just like to listen to other preachers. So if I'm driving in my car or even in my office sometimes, I'll just be listening to different podcasts. And and here's what I noticed, and this was again yesterday morning, and it just began to break my heart for this is some of the preachers that I've been listening to, all of a sudden they've disappeared. And I thought, wow, what's going on here? Can I get real with you this morning? I began to just Google and research a couple of them and come to find out they had fallen into sexual immorality. I'm going to be real with you this morning. When we look at the life of Solomon, not only did he write Proverbs, which is wisdom, but he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And one thing that we understand about Solomon is Solomon started really well and ended really poorly. And the reason I can say he started really well is when God said, Solomon, pray to me and I'm going to answer what your desire is. And and one of the best things you could ever do is ask God for wisdom. Wisdom, he was the wisest man besides Jesus that ever lived. But when you look at the totality of his life, you know, I have a simple prayer that I pray to God. This is simple, but I mean it with all of my heart. Is God never let me embarrass myself, never let me embarrass my family, and God don't let me embarrass this church. I know that's not deep this morning, but I think that's a good prayer. Because... It was so heavy on my heart of how we live the dash in our lives, that that time between when we're born and when we pass away, how many, everybody understands in here, we all are going to go by the way of the grave unless Jesus comes back, right? So again, you're like, boy, I came to church today of all days. I mean, listen to me. One of the most important things you can do is to live your life with eternity in mind with at the forefront of every single day is that, God, I do not want to fall into temptation. And can I tell you something? We oftentimes say that. Well, they just fell into sin. That is not the truth of the Word of God. You don't just fall into sin. You begin to take steps. Say, oh, great, another sermon about sin. Listen to me today. Listen to me. If you, just like Solomon, in, in in the Bible, and we'll get to the Scripture in a minute, but let me just tell you what, in First Kings, it says, the Queen of Sheba comes to Solomon's uh, temple, and it was gorgeous. I mean, she, was, she said the half of it had not even been told to me. This is incredible. There was all these carvings and all these beautiful things, and it literally took her breath away, which as a side note, when people outside of the church 
come and visit the church, it should be something that they say, wow, the half of it hadn't even been told. Amen? Amen. We serve the God of the universe, church. So, so the war, Sheba as the world comes into Solomon's house and she says, wow, look at what God, and, and she gave God the glory for what was being done. Christian Center Church, if you want to live a life that, that is a life pleasing to God between the dash, then you have to give God glory for everything good in your life. And she says, wow, and, and she gives God, and she said, wow, the half hadn't been told, so I give God the glory. But there's something in there that I've always noticed before that it, it gave a description of the throne of Solomon. And it says it was overlaid in gold. It had lions that were carved on the corner of it. And it gives a, four passages that talk nothing about this throne that is described here in his kingdom and God's kingdom in Israel and as they describe this you get a picture of wow look at this and see here's what I want to tell you spiritually when I talk about how to live a life that is pleasing to God between the dash here's what I want to tell you and this is so important if you and I are going to live a life holy to God and live a life free from sin I want to tell you something this morning if you live a life of struggle with sin day after day after day after day that is not why Jesus Christ died He came to set you free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So Solomon started his life in wisdom and in serving God and in loving God, but I'm not interested in how you started. I'm interested this morning in you focusing on how am I going to finish this race. Because if you want to live a life that has impact for eternity, you cannot have an impact on the world around you if you're living just like the world's living. Young people, listen to me in here this morning. If you want to have an impact in your family, if you want to have an impact in your school system, if you want to have an impact. So the Bible clearly says this, and the reason I talk about a throne is the first thing of freedom, is that it's, it says, and it, the reason this is so awesome to me is everything that I was already studying and writing down, this precious woman of God that called me said it word for word to me. She said, at this stage of my life, she said, I've learned to trust Jesus far more than I ever did before. She's in her 80s. And she said, I'll tell you another thing. I see, you know, I I notice as I watch live stream and I see, I see a lot of young people starting to come to your church. She said, that's God. She said, the revival that's coming is going to come through these young people that you see coming through the doors. And she wasn't, she wasn't old, you know, I don't want to bash with all that. She told me, she told me, she said, I was 77 back in 2017. She said, I went to Orlando to Jesus Image. <laughs> Jesus Image is an awesome ministry over there, and it's young people getting on fire for God and learning how to worship him and learning how to go out into the mission field, learning how to make a difference for eternity. And she said, I was the oldest person in that room. And she said, I loved every single minute of it, of just seeing what Jesus is doing. But church, we're not going to impact Homosassa, Florida if we get off the throne that Jesus has set us on. Here, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says this, because she told me, she said, at this place in my life, she said, it's a mystery to me. She said, you know what's a mystery to me, Pastor? I said, what? I had tears running down my face. I said, what's a mystery to you? She said, Christ in me, and I'm seated in Christ in heavenly places. <laughs> She said, sometimes all I can do is just climb up on the throne in daddy's lap. 
But do you understand, in her 80s, she's living a life that's still making a difference for eternity. And that's what I want to do, whether my last day is tomorrow or if it's in 30 years from now. I want to grow in my trust and faith, but I want to tell you, I don't want to get down to the end of my life. And if you may say this morning, man, I've already messed everything up. God is a God of grace and forgiveness and new beginnings. If your dash has been interrupted and you say this morning that, man, I, I, I really don't know what to do, Pastor. You don't understand. I've already done all the things that you're getting ready to say because I've given up my freedom for a momentary fix of the world. And they talked about this throne and they talked about Solomon's throne. And this morning, if you are in Christ, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Sin will tempt you and say that what the enemy offers is better than what God has already blessed you with. Because if you're in Christ, you already have in your life, in the dash that you're living, to remain free and to keep yourself unsullied from the world, you have to remember that God has already seated you on a heavenly throne. And when a person falls into sin, church, it never happens overnight. Then the king made a great throne covered with ivory and overlaid with fine gold. The throne had six steps. Everybody say six steps. steps. And its back had a rounded top. On both sides of the seat were armrests. So what I want to point out there is if we already have it all in Christ, if we're already seated in heavenly places, if what the enemy begins to tempt you, young people, listen to me very closely, what he begins to tempt you is what he has to offer is better than what God has already given to you. And, and he's trying to get you off of that throne because if you come off, the, what does it mean to be seated with Christ in heavenly places? Number one, it means that you have authority. Everybody say authority. When we are in right relationship with God and seated with him on his throne, listen, we don't fight for victory. We are already victorious in him. That's a big difference, isn't it? Because you can begin to... See, where the enemy would try to pull you out of the truth that is already about you. The second thing we lose is perspective. Everybody say perspective. Perspective. A perspective is just a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something, or a perspective is a point of view. Listen, we were meant to view things from God's perspective, not earth's, not the enemy's, and not the world around us. We have allowed the devil through sin to draw us off the throne. Then we are looking at things the enemy's way and not God's way. I want you to get a different perspective. I want you to give it a revelation of the authority you have against the enemy and your family and your, and your job in this community because we do. And number three is purpose. Everybody say purpose. purpose. You know, a life robbed of its purpose really isn't a life of life at all. Those are three of the many things that we are already blessed in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus were already given to us. But the throne had six steps. Everybody say six steps again. My question for you this morning when it, in regards to your freedom is which step are you on? 1 Kings 11, 1 through 7. King Solomon, however, loved, everybody say loved, many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites, they were from nations about which the Lord God had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after other gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast 
to them in love. He had 700 wives. Oh, my goodness. Solomon, my man. I can handle one, y'all. And she's a Louisiana Cajun woman. I barely can handle her. 700? Must have been Florida women. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't marry Louisiana women. Well, he never would have married that many of them. You know? And 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, the dash. Make your dash count. His wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of, his David, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chernoth, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Why did I read all that to you? Because just like the throne that we're already given, when you're saved and you come into the kingdom, I want to tell you something. Your sin is completely forgiven. God has made you the righteousness of Christ in him. But listen to me this morning. God has given you a place of honor in the heavenly places. And it says we sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. So if the enemy wants to to take away your authority, if he wants to take away your perspective, and if he wants to take away your purpose this morning, he's going to entice you. And nobody falls into sin. They begin to go into the steps. Solomon already knew what it was, and, and take this as this first point today is just a word of warning to everybody in here, because it began to just break my heart of hearing of stuff going on inside the church that never should be going on inside the church. We are to be living separate from the world for God. Because God wants to bless his church. God wants God wanted to bless his people. And Solomon started off real good, but he took these steps. And here's the first thing it says. This, this again, you don't fall into it. You begin to be enticed. You begin to be tempted. Give you a word of warning to some of the men or women in here on your job site. That little thing that flirts and winks at you, you better run. Come on. Some of you have addictions in your past and just that one drink, right? Come on. Everything in moderation, amen? Amen. But I'm telling you, you better look very closely at that because the very first thing it says is what he loved. We are told to give our hearts wholly to God and love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So it seems innocent at first. And listen to me. When you begin to see something over here that you're like, oh, that, that's what happened to Solomon. He was strictly told, listen, don't marry, the, don't marry these people over here. And 700? That's somebody that took it to the extreme, y'all. Wasn't like, well, Lord, I just really love her and, you know, she's this and that. It's like 700. That tells me it's somebody that just let the enemy take complete control of their lives. And church, that's the danger of sin. It will take complete control of your life. So the steps are he loved, 
That's the first step. Let me ask you a question. Who do you love this morning? If you're loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then you're seated on the throne. If you are looking at the things of the world and beginning to be enticed by them, you better check yourself this morning. How do you live in the dash? Number one, you live in the dash with an understanding that God set you free and he wants to make you free and continue to walk in freedom, not just for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30. He wants you to the day you go and stand before him in judgment, he wants you free. This is step two. So while you're on that step to love, then it says this, he held fast, or some translation says he clung to. And then it says he turned which led to went after, then that led to doing evil, and then step six is this, he built high places. So the first step involves who or what we love. Isn't love a powerful emotion? It is. That's why God said, love the Lord your God. If If we could just keep our focus on loving God, you don't have to worry about sin. You don't have to worry about the the devil trying to trick you up. If you every day you just say, God, I want to set my heart on you and love you with all that is within me, you'll stay seated on the throne. I mean, a line from an old country song, how can it be so wrong if it feels so right? You just ask yourself that simple question, what is it that's tugging at my heart? What relationship is it that's tugging at my heart? What... What temptation is the enemy starting to lay before me? Because after you begin to be enticed, see, it's on that first step that in you, if you can ask yourself, and here's what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will begin to send people to speak to you. Church, I'm tired of the church being in more bondage than what the world is. Tired of... I'm tired of standing here with a group of people in front of me at funerals and just wanting to shout with all of my heart, get right with God. Get right with God. And we've made such a mix-up of what that is because Solomon just, he loved this, which turned into the second thing, which means he held fast to it. Listen, while your foot is between the first and second step... Because what we love will ultimately turn into us beginning to cling to it. And if it's not in the will of God, if it's something that looks innocent in the beginning, I'm sure him getting married to all these women in the beginning, it was like, oh, this is, yeah, I just, I really liked her. But here's what happens. In most cases, the sin is glossed over or covered up. That's just... Listen, I'm preaching to myself this morning. It's just like, well, you know, that's just the way that I am. Do you understand if you don't make God's word your standard, you will fall for everything coming up and down the road in the age and season we're living in because we're living in a time when people hate the truth and they love the air. Step three, Solomon turned from following the Lord with all his heart. Can I tell you, there's only room for one master in your heart this morning. There's only room for one master. The Bible, Jesus said this. You can look it up yourself. He said you either love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. 
If we think we can halfway live in the middle of our dash every day of our life, live halfway in and halfway out, it's not going to work. Because this is Solomon's steps. There's only room for one master. Here's what begins to happen when somebody loves and then they cling to, and then they start to go down these steps. Here's the progression. You know, and I'm not giving any false guilt about church attendance. Don't, Don't think that's where I'm going with this. When you're living in the dash, your family's just as more, just as important as anything else. Are you listening to your pastor today? Listen to me. I know when somebody's on that third step because they just don't want to be around the things of God anymore. Am I right? You know, you try to text or call them and check on them, and it's like you don't hear anything. Listen to me, guys. It's people that are on that step; they begin to withdraw away from the thing. Solomon. When he began to cling to something, it was going to cost him far more than what he had ever thought it would. I'm telling you, that when you begin to cling to something, and then it says, the next step is this. He went after other gods. Church, let me tell you the most dangerous words any of us could ever say. Well, I would never. Yesterday morning, my offense at finding out a couple things, and you, I mean, they don't, these people are in other states. One in particular is the fastest growing church in the United States of America. Grew in five years to 26,000 people. Figured this out. We aren't made for celebrity. We're made to glorify God. And we have made a celebrity culture out of Christianity. And just like Solomon, they begin to cling to something. They begin to gloss over. They a little flirt here. Well, I'm a pastor of a 26,000-person church and their personalities. The church was never meant to be built on a personality. And you're living proof sitting here today that that ain't true here. <laughs> if you know me, you're like, that dude's personality is awful. Horrible. It's never meant to build that way. But I found myself, found myself saying, God, that could be me. And Lord, I don't want to live my dash disgracing you. I want to live my dash honoring you and living in freedom every day of my life. To dig in and find those places in my life where, God, this doesn't line up. We so subtly, the enemy begins to, and again, you'll lose your authority. You'll lose your perspective. You'll lose things in your life with the enemy tempting you to come down these steps because the fifth step, and listen, when you get down into the place where you cling to things and you, your heart goes after something, you, you are no longer in control. God is no longer in control. Satan is in control of your life. He absolutely is. People often use the term, well, I fell into sin. No, you step down into it. So if the fifth step is actually doing evil, what is the sixth step? And I'm about to tell you the culture that we're living in today, very plainly. Very plainly. Young people, for, for three minutes, listening to me very closely. Very closely. 
just like we read in this story, Solomon came down those six steps. It was what he loved. It's what his heart went after. It's what he began to cling to. It's what he actually... See, the ultimate goal of the enemy with sin issues in your life isn't just to destroy you. It's to destroy other people too. Because in the very last verse it says, and then he went out and built a high place to his sin. We live in a culture, young people, that is celebrating what God says is sin and what God strictly and and adamantly said, do not involve yourself with this. And if God says it is, we don't get to make up the rules. God does. He does. Because he built a place. to Actually, an altar assumes three things. It provides a place of public worship. It provides a place for others to participate in worship, and it signals an intention to encourage and continue the worship. We have a culture today in the United States of America America, that has set up worship to things that God said not to, and you need to be careful as a Christian that you aren't just camping out around somebody else's sin. Amen? So at this point, people who have sinned actually build a shrine to their sin. And when you build a shrine to your sin, nobody likes to sin alone. We want to invite everybody else. So if you're going to live a life that's pleasing to God in freedom in the dash, you need to build a shrine of sacrifice, love, and praise to God. And that's what you need to be inviting people to is a life that honors Him. Some of you are like, well, what is sin? Whatever God says it is. It is what his word says. Number two, everybody say fullness. Fullness. What's a full life? I ask myself that question. What? Lord, if I'm talking to people about how to live now, how to make a life of impact, how to how to make sure that we when we go to the other side, when we stand before God, that we can say, God, I ran the race that you had for me. That's my desire. Simple. Don't embarrass myself, my wife and kids in this church. Don't embarrass God. Freedom is allowing the Holy Spirit to take us to ever deeper deeper levels of freedom from sin. Because a lot of you are like, yeah, I know what he's talking about. He's talking about these carousers out doing this and that. Listen to me. If you're in here and you gossip every week, you're just as sinful as anybody else. Am I making it plain enough for you this morning? So I ask myself this question. What matters most? What matters most? And can I tell you what matters to me most? It's, it's in my life. There's nothing more important than not living. Young people, listen to me. It's not living for the here and now. It's living for God in eternity and his reward. It's that we would make a difference for eternity. Do you realize this morning you have a purpose? Look at your neighbor and tell him, I have a purpose. Look at him again and say, you have a purpose. Again, I can always see who the introverts are in the church. You're like, I didn't hear what he said. When I said that, the reason some of you may not even have responded because you simply think, I've done too much for God to use me in his purpose. Church, let me tell you something. I'm living proof that God is a God of grace, mercy, and and today is a day. And the reason that maybe God said it was significant is there are people sitting here in this room 
that you have never even walked in this room before, you just started coming, or, or you, God wants to point you in a direction this morning of fullness. He wants you to point you in a direction of purpose. But don't allow your past to dictate your future. Listen, God's success isn't about success in the Americanized way that we call it. God's success is living a life of significance. That's what's missing in a lot of your lives this morning is you're like, I don't even know what I'm here for. Can I tell you? God will tell you, and you'll be so fulfilled, fulfilling what he has called you to do. So how do I make life matter? Here's one thing that I thought of. Give to something that will outlive you. Amen? Amen. Give to something that will outlive you. What does that mean? I have to give my life to something that isn't just about me. Everybody say giving. Giving. That really is a key to a full life. It's giving. You guys are like, oh, he's going to take up an offer. I felt convicted about this because here's what I want to say to you before I say everything else that I'm about to say in this one point, and then we're going to move on to the last one. We're going to stand, and we're going to have an altar call this morning. Jesus does not need your money. He doesn't. But as equally as how, and this isn't purposeful per se, but I don't really even talk about giving that often as far as, and I'm when I say a life of fullness, I don't just mean in your monetary, but Here's the key. Jesus talked about finances a lot. He did. Why did he talk about finances a lot? Because, it, listen to me, it's not about your giving monetarily or your time, your talent, and your treasures. It's about, see, Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And where your heart is, that's where your treasure naturally is. I want you to know to live a life of fullness is to give your life to something that outlives you. That's why myself and the woman sitting on that front row and my kids on, in some part have sacrificed so much over the last 20 years of ministry, moving and going on the mission field, going on. I said this yesterday. I said, Lord, who am I to get up and talk about these things? And he began to remind me of all the times that I put him first. I'm, I'm not pumping myself up. I'm not pumping her up. I'm telling you, I have a full life that I'm content with. Doesn't mean everything's rosy. Doesn't mean everything's just great. I wake up with the same aches and pains. Hearing Cody Leonard last week, he's a man's 30 years old, and he's like, yeah, I tweaked my back a little bit. I'm like, bro, get to 49. I mean, come on. Like, just wait. Just wait. So I have all those same things, but the Lord began to, Take me down a path of the last 25 years of my and my wife's life together in ministry, 20 years in April, even going back before that. And you see, what I've learned is, is this. When it comes to giving, don't give to a church, give through a church. Because I said, Lord, I don't talk enough about all the things that we can do as a group together got a car in the mail just a couple weeks ago, and I don't even talk about this stuff. There's a family that had to take in their grandkids, and they had no running water. So I got a call from a local agency, and she literally told me, she said, you're like the sixth church I've called, and everybody else told me, good luck. 
I said, well, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. I'm going to ask you, what do you need? And she told me, and I walked in the other office, and I told our accountant, make a check to this agency. I got a card to you, not to me. The card said, we have running water. Thank you. And everyone in that household signed it. You see, the live a life of fullness is you are giving in to something that's going to outlast you. And here in this church, as you look around, God wants us to build something that outlasts even you today. Because when you live that dash, when you understand what it means to step into eternity and look at Jesus and say, hey, you know, how'd I do? And he's like, a cup of cold water given in his name does not. God is a rewarder. You say, why do they talk about finances? Why do they talk about giving? It's because we are putting roofs on churches in India with what you give. If people don't have a roof over their church, we have a beautiful sanctuary and air conditioning and all these things. And and here's the key of this church. You're giving into something that is going beyond you. There will be things in heaven that you'll stand before God and say, I didn't know. Isn't that what the scripture says? Lord, when did we do this and do this and do this? And you're like, oh, it was Pastor Jason and Leah. Because we came together as a group and we made an impact for these young people that we're reaching into the kids' lives upstairs. We can live a life where I can get up every morning and say, God, we're not making an impact. And God comes back and says, keep sowing, keep doing, keep giving. Keep your eyes on me. Don't get entangled in sin and understand that you're making a difference. That is a life that, that is full, fullness, without a freedom, without a fullness. And the tide boxes are in the back. Just <laughs> throw that out there. My daughter, right in the car just a couple weeks ago, I felt convicted. She said, Dad, we've, we've got a lot of people that have gotten saved over the last few months. And I said, we have, baptized and saved and Delivered from addictions. She said, how do they know to give the church? You never talk about it. I said, well, baby, so many ministries have. Listen, if you go to a church that's always using persuasion and compulsion and pushing you to give, get out of there. Run. Because it says God loves a cheerful giver. So if you even go back there and drop something on you, know, it's, it's too cold in there. Music is too loud. Might as well just keep it. I'm telling you the truth. I felt convicted because, just because I've been taught it at one time about God's principles. I'll tell you this, when I got saved, nobody had to tell me to give. My heart was so impacted by God. My heart was so changed. I wanted to be with the people of God. And I thought everybody loved each other. I did. People probably thought I was the weirdest cat that ever walked into a church. I'm just like, I love you, man. I love you. I'm like, cool, dude. Stay over there and I'll go sit down there. One of the guys mentored me noticed it and he just, he hugged me so tight. He said, I love you. How many knows it's good to get around brand new Christians? Because it reminds us of, of, of how we should live every day of our life, whether you've been walking with him five days or 50 years. 
We should never lose the love for God and the excitement and the excitement that you are pouring into something that will go on into eternity. What we're doing here isn't just to do it. I didn't move all the way from Louisiana to Homosassa just so we could have good services. I came so that we can build something incredible that will leave a legacy like the people who sacrifice. I can't get over lately of thinking of the people, hardworking fishermen, dragging nets out of water and selling mullets so that they could build you a church. My question is today, who is going to step up and sacrifice so our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids have a beautiful place to worship? Everything I'm saying is not what I intended to say. It is not. But I just asked the Holy Spirit yesterday, church, I said, what, what, what's, a, what's a good life? What's a full life? What, what's a life that's pleasing to you? And, it's, and the Holy Spirit just began to just speak to me. It's, it's staying in freedom. Don't get entangled again in a yoke of bondage. It breaks God's heart when we go back to something we've already been delivered from. Lord, help me. Including me. It breaks his heart. And then the fullness of of understanding that what we are doing is building the kingdom. What we are doing is a life that's full when you don't... And I'm not talking about just in your finances. Listen to me. If, If you have hands this morning, everybody got... God, (laughs) there's going to be somebody here that, if you have arms, if you have feet, are you hearing me? You can send a text and encourage somebody. If you've got arms, you can hug somebody. You can smile at somebody. I'm not talking about just in your family. I'm talking you can make, and that is a life that is pleasing to God. It's a life of fullness. Everybody say fullness. Number three is impact. Say impact. Man, I already closed my ring on my Apple Watch. (laughs) Moving around too much. I'm going to stay up here. Everybody, impact. Why don't we make an impact for eternity on our homes and communities? How many would agree that the world's thirsty? Let me give you an illustration. The world's thirsty, and they have need of what's inside of you. Amen? For the sake of everybody here. How many think I should take a drink of that? Did you dare me? (laughs) The old Jason's coming out right now. Double dog dare me. Some of you are like, I know you, dude. You'll drink it. They're like, he'll drink it. I think he ate paint chips when he was little. We know that man. But if we take a drink of it. Yes, there's a handful of people in this room that knows that isn't Windex. Y'all, I'm crazy. I'm not dumb. Stop. Let me, let, let, me t- let me tell you why we can't make an impact for eternity. Listen to me real closely, okay? It's because some of you have God on the inside, but you're in God's secret service. In other words, listen to me. 
In other words, when people are looking for God, they don't know where to look. Because if you're looking for something to drink, you're going to look for a Gatorade bottle. Not, this is the stuff that stays underneath the sink, right? Yes. A lot of you have the real inside of you, but people don't know where to look because you've mislabeled yourself. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. Listen to me. When they're looking, why? Because young people, listen to me. Listen to me real quick. There are people who would walk through those doors right there and be like, you go to church? You may have lifted your hands this morning in worship. People around you don't know where to go because you have a different label on the outside. Listen, to make an impact for eternity, listen, to make an impact for eternity, people have to know not only what's on the inside of you, but what's on the outside. Because to make an impact for eternity, it's not what... God never works from the outside in. He works from the inside out. And God has been working even on some of you young people very in a profound, wonderful, beautiful way. You went to camp. You had this incredible experience with God. Do you know what God now tells you to do? You are not a light that you hide under a bushel. You're a city on a hill. Let your light so shine before men that it gives glory to God in heaven because we have a thirsty world and to live a life that's pleasing to God between the dashes is that we live in freedom, that we have an impact and do something that goes on into eternity and even a legacy for the next generation and then we have an impact that people don't don't just know you from the outside but know you from the inside too. Some of you are embarrassed to bow your head in a restaurant and pray. I don't say that. I don't say that by way of like making you feel bad. I'm telling you, it's time for the church to step up. And here's why. Here's why. Listen to me for just a few minutes and I'm done. Here's why. Everybody in this room has an appointment. This is what started this whole sermon. Was I do quite a few funerals. I'm standing for a group of people that, again, I just I want to say, make your life count. Give your life to Jesus, not just, not just as we've taught in the American churches, oh, confessing with your mouth and believe in your heart. Listen, what you confess with your mouth and truly believe in your heart, not just your head, begins to change you from the inside out to where people can look at you, your neighbor can look at you, people around you can look at you and say, man, I want something that's on the inside of them. We all have an appointment. Every single person. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. What is that judgment? You're either going to spend eternity with God or you're going to spend eternity apart from God. It's, it's, it's simple. The Bible is not complicated. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, and this is the beautiful part. We all will stand before God. We all will give an account to God. How many, how many are good test takers? Test takers? Like, okay, let me rephrase that. How many, like, when you have a test, you go and study for days and hours? Raise your hand. 
All right, how many prayers do I have? You got a test and you're the prayer. That's me. You all my people right here. Lord, I only need a D to pass this class. Jesus, help me in this situation because I didn't study and I didn't do what I was supposed to do. So help me. Help me, Jesus. That's me. I'm about to tell you in this moment, when you step into eternity, which everybody in here will, everybody in here will step into eternity, and it says, after that, the judgment, you will stand before God. And it says this, to give account. So I'm about to give you the the questions. It's an open book test, by the way. That's good news. Open book, and there's only two questions, and I'm about to give you the answers, the summation of this entire message of keeping ourselves free from the influence of the world, of giving of our time, talents, and treasures to make an impact for future generations. That's a life worth living. To be known not only for what's on the inside, but also let our light shine before everybody around us making impact. But here's the first question you're going to be asked. What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? You say, well, if you gave us the question, what's the answer? The answer is found in the word of God that says, whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And church, I'm not talking about just something you do. I'm talking about a life that you lay down at his feet. You make him Lord and not just your Savior. You, you lay everything down before him. Here's the beauty, and you say, well, that's, especially young people, that's scary. What if he makes me marry somebody ugly? What if he, what if he sends me to China? What if, what if he asks me to give something? What if he asks me to give him my time in teaching children's church? Listen to me. You lay your life down, and, and listen, the fulfillment is so incredible. And it's not just about what it is about, the question of what did... And then the second question, most of you know this, what did you do with what I gave you? You see, the first question is beautiful because the debt has been paid. All you have to do is receive it. How many likes it when somebody pays it for dinner for you? Yeah. You ever go out with people and you know they're going to pay and you try to get there early? Seems like I eat with those people that have alligator arms. I check and they're like, oh, I'd like to get that for you, Pastor, but I just can't quite reach the check. All right. This is the fifth time, bro. I'll get it again. He, listen, he paid the debt. He paid the debt. He is paying for you to have eternity with him. Here's what some of y'all are doing. You're trying to pay for the dinner twice. Because I'm not talking about a works-based salvation. I'm talking about the free gift of salvation. That leads us to, you say, well, what are you talking about? What did you do with what I gave you? When you receive that gift, then you are so appreciative of what he's done for you. You say, Jesus, whatever you want. Whatever you want to do in my life, with my life, lead me, guide me, show me. I want to give. I want to make an impact for eternity. You say, well, well, that's a works-type-based thing. No, it's not. You're not saved by works. You're saved for works. And the church needs to be reminded of that. You're saved for them. 
God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has something for you specifically to do. You have a sphere of influence of people that they are walking up and they need, they need to hear the gospel. They need to see somebody that's living right. They need to see somebody that can really minister to them and you've hidden it away inside a Windex bottle. He's in there. He just wants you to lend a hand. Come on. Text, hug, love, smile, give. Let's build something for the future legacy of this church so that in 30 years there will be some preacher up here and he's like, man, those people back in 2000, what is it, 2022? You know what year it is. Back in 2022, 23, 24. Man, look, look what the Lord has done. I'm telling you, that's God's future for you and for this church. But we have to think of what our lives are going to be lived for. Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Tammy, why don't you pop up here and entertain the presence of the Lord for a few minutes. Matter of fact, Conrad, do this. Just Everybody just settle in. No moving around, please. I want to give everybody this, this opportunity to just begin, as Tammy plays, to ponder your dash right now. To ponder that place right now that you are and whatever stage you are, whatever step you may be on, you, you, you may have felt the Holy Spirit just tug on you because there are things you, you love more than God. And you know that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about those things, those things that you're starting to get enticed away by. Listen, the devil plays for keeps, and he's not going to just leave you on one step. He's going to take you all the way down where you're actually celebrating something that God says is evil. the part of the sermon that talked about having an impact, you just know that you want your life to count for something. Young people, listen to me for just a second. I think that the most, the, the thing that your generation is crying out for more than anything else is significance and can my life make a difference? I came to tell you something. You lay your life down at Jesus' feet, he'll take you on the wildest ride you've ever been on. He will. Man, if we had a generation that that if we had a generation come on the scene, we had a generation that came on the scene that wasn't worried about the American dream and a bigger house and the picket fence and two cars, the dog, all the stuff I just said I have. So, Lord, in this moment, I repent. But generation raised up and said, what if I served God my entire life and laid down all those things that maybe are good so that I could lay hold of the best. That's significance this morning. Bow your head and close your eyes. It's my first question this morning for you. Is in the dash, in the place in life that you are in this morning. In the Lord that you will stand before and it's not going to be a church setting. It's not going to be a group of people. You're not going to go in with 20, 30, 40, 50 people at a time. It's going to be you, and it's going to be him. And he said, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? And the answer isn't, I laid down my life. I had received his gift. I laid down my life for him. Can I, can I invite you into a place where the Holy Spirit significantly is drawing people this morning? for you to lay everything down at his feet, for you to get right 
with God. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If the Lord spoke to you this morning and say, hey, I need to get my life right with him, would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. For those of you who raised your hand, let's all pray this together this morning because, again, you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart. That belief changes you on the inside, and then you need to let your light shine. You need to be salt, and you need to be light in the world around us. Pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I hear your word. I hear the voice of your spirit. I come to you today to acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that I need your grace. Lord, in this moment, I turn away from my sin and I run into your arms. I ask you to forgive me. Wash me clean. Change my life. Fill my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. All God's people said amen. I did that first simply so that we can all be on the same level playing field. Of this question, what area that God brought freedom to you that maybe you have begun to step down into something else? This is eyes open and heads lifted. Because this is a moment of repentance and turning away. Repent just means change your mind. But changing your mind will begin to lead you in a different direction. Amen? Amen. So there's something God laid on your heart that you're just beginning to be enticed away by something. You may even have, you may be even one of those ones who have built literally an altar to something that God has already delivered you from. Can I tell you this morning, God can pull down that altar like that. He will. Can we just, by the raising of a hand, acknowledge the conviction of the Holy Spirit this morning? Would you join me in acknowledging the thing that God has just warned you about and he's just beginning to pull you back? I'm right there with you. So let's lift our hands together as a congregation. Father, you are so good and so merciful, so loving. But, Lord, you're also not going to let us continue down the steps away from you. You have arrested us this morning by your Spirit. You've spoken to our hearts, which, Holy Spirit, thank you that you do not leave us in our hardness and our sin and our rebellion. But, Lord, you'll leave the 99 to go after the one this morning. Lord, I'm that one, and there's many of the ones that are here under the sound of my voice. Lord, we just say with our heart, we come back. We ask you this morning, Lord, to break every bondage, every addiction, everything that displeases you. Father, break it off of our lives and break it off of our hearts, God, this morning. Let those altars fall in Jesus' name. Let them be torn down, God, so that an altar of worship and praise and glory to you may be built in its place, Father. Thank you, Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For your conviction. Thank you for leading us to that place, God, here in this house this morning. Thank you. 
this and let, let that forgiveness wash over you in this moment. God's not mad at you. God's concerned about you. He's got a hope and a future for you. Father, the lies of the enemy, we break them right now. Those lies that tell us we're not good enough, of course we're not good enough. Jesus is the only one that was good enough. And Lord, we find ourselves in him and we receive that, that grace and that mercy for help in time of need. Let every heart experience that right now in this moment. Those who are searching, those who have so many answers, Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself and reveal your goodness to them right now in this moment, Father. Lift your hands with me this morning. I want to bless you as we dismiss today. And I mean this with all of my heart. If nobody's told you that they love you this morning, your pastor loves you. Leah loves you. This church loves you. Most importantly, God loves you. So, Father, I bless the people of Christian Center Church. Father, may they be blessed going in and may they be blessed going out. May they be blessed in their homes and may they be blessed in their jobs. May increase overtake them and come to them. May the windows of heaven open. And God, even for, for, for financial needs that are present here today, God, I pray for a breaking loose and an outpouring in finances. Lord, for those who walked in and our dear sister Lupita and, and Miss Debbie this morning, Father, who just needs a touch of heaven upon their bodies, God, we agree together now that you are the God who heals, you are the God who delivers, and you are the God, Father, who who lifts us up off of our bed of affliction. So, God, healing over this body, I pray. Father, may you cause your countenance to shine upon them. May your face turn towards them, and may you give them peace, rest, and protection for them and their families and those today who weren't able to be here or are watching online. Lord, we pray your blessings upon each and every person in heart. Father, we love you. We love you, and we praise you. We thank you for even your warnings, Lord, in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, amen. Amen.